0: Hang on! Hang on! Fight! <laughs> Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Thomas Tut to talk about the song Whirlpool, found on the Why Does the Sunshine EP. Here we go. they in texas where are you in texas
1: fort worth fort worth and uh, also known as not dallas
0: not dallas uh, yeah. i have been to fort worth i played a show in fort worth
1: oh really what what venue
0: it was called i think it was called the loading dock
1: okay i don't an, know that one
0: it was an outdoor venue that was actually a loading dock
1: wow and you like know what? I bet it was stuff. just yeah. Um, there's a lot of like little venues around. Um, some of them have been just around forever, and like you know, it's had more owners than a 1986 Honda Civic. That
0: um, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, I did, yeah, it was. It wasn't big. I mean, it was a cool little bar, pool tables, whatnot, and good yeah. sound system and all that. But I mean, it wasn't anything big.
1: I mean, it was yeah. My
0: band, it wasn't...
1: You, you never played Billy Bob's? No.
0: <laughs> Billy the,
1: Bob's. The, world, the world's largest honky-tonk.
0: Ooh. Owned by yeah. Billy Bob Thornton?
1: I, I do not believe so. It's been in Fort Worth. It's older than Billy Bob Thornton, I think. It's been in Fort Worth forever. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Uh, we actually just got, um, in the past few years, they built a, a pretty decent-sized venue. Um, Dickies Arena. Okay. <laughs> so D- Dickies is a clothing brand. Um, oh,
2: I know.
0: I know. Growing but, yeah. up. Yeah. You know, skater culture and
1: oh, okay, yeah. all
0: that. Yeah.
1: Um, but the killers played in Fort Worth last month. So that's like the biggest group that's played in Fort Worth for a while. Oh. So like they're we're starting to get some bigger bands, but like it's annoying because most of the time when a band goes on tour, they come to Dallas.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: You know, Fort Worth is like I think we're actually bigger than we're bigger than a lot of cities that are are tour destinations mm-hmm. you know i think fort worth is bigger than indianapolis in population um mm. it's somewhere it's somewhere Sounds
2: around the possible. same size
1: i i don't have the numbers in front of me but the thing about it is n- you know nobody's going to come to both dallas and fort worth right um
0: i mean it's like yeah it's yeah it's an
1: hour apart yeah um And if they're choosing between the two, they're almost always going to choose Dallas um, just because it has more venues. So it's mm-hmm. annoying because like I have to drive at least an hour Um, now, but so when the mountain goats came to town, uh, when the mountain goats most recently went on tour, they actually did play Fort Worth and hmm. um, they played a little place called Tulips. Two- uh, yeah. It's a, it's a newer place. Um, but so I got to see them in Fort Worth last month. Um, and that, w- oh yeah. So there was an opening act there that was a band that I think you'd really like called uh, mm-hmm. sweeping promises,
0: sweeping promises. What are they like?
1: I, um, okay. On, on band camp, they're described as post-punk, but that's one of those words that I have no idea what it means. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it reminds me a bit of like sort of early cure a bit of the Breeders. Um Okay. Um I played it for one of my I, I, I played it for one of my students. He said it reminded him of somebody called the Viagra Boys.
0: Oh uh, I've heard a little bit of them, yeah.
1: <laughs> but um but like sort of, you know, kind of you know, very bass driven, mm-hmm. um semi lo fi kind of sound. So um hmm. but I, cool. I ran. I like ran to the merch table. And like, give. I need to buy your cds I was like, Well, we're sold out of CDs, but we have tapes. So I bought. You know, the first cassette tape I've bought since like nineteen
0: ninety four. Do you um, have a player?
1: Um, somewhere, but it came with a. Da- it came with a free download for Bandcamp, there and mostly go. was just like, I want to give you money because yeah. I want to hear more of this. So nice. I will have to um, check them out. What was it? Sweep say it again. Sweep uh sweeping promises. Sweeping
0: promises.
1: Okay. Yeah, the, the album is called Hunger for a Way Out.
0: Hmm. Yeah, never heard of them before. Sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh so we just had some uh teacher talk before we started mm. the episode here. I forgot to ask you what, what
1: what subject you teach? I teach dual credit English. So I teach a college class um, through a local community college, Tarrant County college, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm full-time at the high school. Okay. So this I, I, for I, the advanced I, kids. Yeah. Um, it, it's nice because all of the kids in my class, they choose to be there. Um, yeah. And I, um, I've actually, so I've taught college longer than I've taught high school. Um, Cause I started teaching college as a graduate teaching assistant way back in the early two thousands when I was getting a, a graduate degree in English. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about teaching college is that unless you can get a, f- a good full time job, there's just no money in it. Um, so I, you know, I finished my yeah. PhD and I, Oh, cool. You know, I finished my PhD in 2012 and I, you know i adjuncted um you know just cobbled together as as much of a schedule as i could but you know there's like no advancement there yeah Um. so it, i i eventually jumped ship and went to high school um transitioning from teaching college to teaching high school was really rough yeah, i can imagine particularly cuz the first couple of years i had like an hour commute each way ouch yeah um but now my now I'm teaching much closer to home my commute's like thirteen minutes
0: nice I'm down to four minutes right now <laughs>
1: that is um, I had a commute like that once when I was living in an apartment and waiting tables um, you know
0: I can't get but, through my podcasts though like I'm totally backed up on yeah stuff yeah
1: the, I'm, I'm the same way I used to listen to audio like the the one good thing about teaching in Lancaster was like um. I could listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Um, you know, I can listen to, you know, sort of podcasts and chunks, but, and see, like I, I have my ADD is like, I can't just sit down and listen to a podcast. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can listen to a podcast while I'm driving and I can listen to a podcast while I'm grocery shopping.
2: Mm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: you know, if I don't have a kid with me, um, Right there's got to be something but, else going on, yeah, but I yeah. can't just sit down and and listen to a podcast or an audiobook so yeah. mm-hmm. um, so so that's mm. my excuse for not listening to your whole catalog
0: well um, it's th- there's a lot. I just aired yeah. episode two hundred yeah, so yeah. Yeah, and um, you're actually not gonna have a wait. Uh my my reserves have been depleted and this oh, episode man. will actually be out next week.
1: Oh wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. So uh, here's here's the tragic thing though. Today. Today is uh the thirteenth of October. I yes, should be seeing They Might Be Giants in Chicago right now.
1: Oh, bummer. Why?
0: Well Okay, so <laughs> as we all know, these tickets were well, yeah. I mean I was on Danny's guest list, which is the real, uh, mm-hmm. e- even bigger, uh, uh, you know, screw in my, in my back. Um, but this new job, which I just got, you know, in July, I mean, how would I have known that's one of the, I mean, you can't skip out on parent teacher conferences, uh, uh, let alone your first year yeah. at a new school, uh I was hoping to take a day or two off and go and do that. I mean Chicago's only two and a half hours uh from yeah. here, but like my parents are there and go and you know make a couple days of it but uh tragically uh yeah, I had to uh ditch that, and I am extremely bummed about it.
1: Yeah. are you gonna it's, do the live stream tomorrow?
0: I'm hoping to. Yeah, that's in are they they're in Minneapolis then? Yeah. I believe right. I mean, yeah, I'm hoping to. But it's not available I, afterwards. It's just live and then It
1: I think that's going to be available uh I think it said it'd be available afterwards. Okay. But it's right. I mean, it it's tough for me because tomorrow's my daughter's birthday. Oh. So we're I mean, we're going to go out for dinner and we're going to do cake and presents. Um no, it just occurred to me I we didn't finish wrapping the rest of her presents. So I may have, I may have an even later night than I thought, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, or we might like, you know, wrap them while she's like talking to grandma. But yeah, that's the other thing. My mother-in-law came into town today as a surprise for the kids. Oh, we've got a, we've got a bit of a full house right now. So yeah, one of the presents, my, uh, we were, we were at Walmart a couple weeks ago and my daughter saw this horrifying cat in the Halloween decorations. It's like a screaming cat. <laughs> and she's like, it's so cute. I love it. I'm like, lavender, that's horrifying. If we put it in your room, you're going to have nightmares. She's like, no, it's so cute. So we got it for her for her birthday. How old is she? Uh, she's turning 10 or she's turning uh, nine tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Nine. Yes. I've got. Uh, she's my youngest still young
0: um, enough to get nightmares
1: <laughs> um yeah but she's like she loves spiders and yeah. uh, she loves spiders and cats and um you know uh i have visions that she's going to like i have this feeling she's going to grow up to be like a pastel goth kind of kid <laughs> um yeah sure but yeah i've got i've got 3 that are you know uh basically um, nine, ten, and twelve. So all close oh, okay. together.
0: Yeah. So it's a cluster right
1: there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah oh, it's cool. it's certainly a cluster at times.
0: <laughs> a cluster. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. This yeah. is my show. We can curse on it. Uh, oh, yeah. to, okay. So, um, I think we need to hear about your "They Might Be Giants" fandom story. How did you get into the Johns and Co?
1: Okay. Well. I, you know, I've listened to enough of your podcasts to, to understand that this story is far from unique. <laughs> but it started with a show called Tiny Tunes. Mm. Um, you know, you I always so say. I was, Yeah, I always <laughs> used to come home from school like I I was a latchkey kid. Um, you know, my dad was a high school teacher and my mom uh worked in Dallas. So I would, you know, um, you know, and my sister was in high school band and stuff, so she wasn't uh, so, I, you know, I would come home and I usually would, I'd get to turn on the TV and watch Tiny Toons. And one day I came on and it was this special musical episode and it was this music. I don't remember if I had ever heard the name. They might be giants before. Probably not. But I was just like I was blown away. But the thing about it is like, you know, my kids can watch the episode of Phineas and Ferb that has Perry grip on it. Mm hmm. And they can instantly go on YouTube and listen to ten hours of "It's Raining Tacos." Uh uh-huh. um, <laughs> And you know, when my when my parents when my kids get to control Spotify, um, they <laughs> usually choose Perry Grip. Nice. Um,
2: solid which I, yeah, I did. I, I did hear his tunes. episode. That
1: was, you know, I, I like the fact that he acknowledged that. Um, you know, "It's Raining Tacos" is basically <laughs> a license to print money. Yeah. That. Um, Paying the bills uh, You know So um, it It made an impression But I didn't like run out And buy their album right away Because I I was in 5th grade And I didn't you know I barely had any allowance at all So like when I did start getting into contemporary music Because like You know as a little kid I mostly just listened to what my parents listened to Which was mostly classical and folk Mm -hmm. So uh, you know I grew up like so I knew Joan. I knew Joan Baez's version of uh, Eleanor Rigby before I knew it was a Beatles song. Oh wow! Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> um, and, and and her version is really really good. Um, and like I you know, know I w- if I've heard it. Oh, it's 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 excellent. It's um, and uh, Judy Collins did uh, a a couple Beatles cover, covers too, and she did a bunch of songs that Leonard Cohen has read, had written.
2: Mm.
1: so i think she did the first recording of suzanne
2: oh okay um
1: i think she recorded suzanne even before he did yeah but um but so I, uh, you know but when i was in middle school i got you know when i got into middle school i started getting into more like contemporary music and i I really got into alternative and uh, rem was my first you know That's a solid choice. Yeah, yeah um mm-hmm. like i think I, I wore out the cassette tape of uh um, out of time. Um, that that was my all time favorite for the longest time. And, uh, then when I got into middle school, I discovered grunge music and, (laughs) um, have you read style at the time? (laughs) Have you read Chuck Klosterman's book? The nineties? I haven't. It's a collection of essays. It's, it's just recently came out. Um, uh, I, I just, I just got it from the library a couple days ago and I've been reading it. it it's, it's absolutely amazing, Yeah. But he has a whole chapter about, um, smells like teen spirit and, and just sort of why it ended up being as influential as it did. And it, it has a great out of context sentence. Um, <laughs> a, a great thing to quote out of context, the music video for smells like teen spirit was not more consequential than the fall of the Berlin wall. <laughs> it's like thank you thank you for pointing that out mr klosterman i was i was confused for a minute but no um um no the, the whole essay is like the the essays in it are really thought-provoking about sort of like how the 90s thought of itself versus mm. what numbers say about what it was because you know um uh you know, Hootie and the Blowfish sold a ton more records than Nirvana ever did. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so, uh, but they
0: didn't define a cultural no, landscape. And, and
1: I remember I heard somebody once say the thing about grunge that was so important was that for the first time, there's a way that you could embrace a fashion that didn't involve spending a lot of money. And, and even more than that, the less you spent on it, the better. Mm Hmm. You know, so buying, you know, buying a flannel shirt for a quarter at a garage sale, um, or buying, buying Jabot corduroys, which when I was in middle school, Jabot was like the brand that all of the popular kids had. But like, by the time Mm -hmm. I was in high school, it was just in, in thrift stores. So, you know, buying, you know, thrift store clothes and,
0: um, but back in the day, we actually earned the holes in our jeans. These yeah, days. yeah, exactly. Yeah, kids these days just buy them.
3: Get the holes yeah. already
0: in there.
1: No, no. Um,
0: there's more so holes than like, there
1: is paints. <laughs> um, and you know, I I still I still listen to a lot of the same music that I listened to in middle school. Some of it I kind of went back and forth on how much I liked it. I, I've I've sort of evaluated and reevaluated. So sort of like Bush, the band Bush. I've gone. Yeah back and mm-hmm. forth a lot about um how i feel about it I, I certainly feel like it's less meaningful like a song like everything's in now yeah. that i realize how much it's just a pastiche of things written by other more <laughs> talented musicians <laughs>
3: um but you know, I, though. I, I,
1: yeah I, yeah i can't <laughs> i mean i i mean 16 I absolutely stone
0: had like five or six giant singles yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then they just kind of disappeared. I mean, yeah, had other um, ones,
1: but I think I think Razor like blade Suitcase was actually better. I didn't mm. buy it at that. So there's a lot of th- things like in in the past ten or fifteen years, I've gone back and I've listened to the stuff that I missed in the 1990s, like uh, um, the uh, the Pixies and Built to Spill, um, and uh, the Halo Benders, and you know stuff that was like more underground than I really had access to. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, I wish I could have experienced this fresh. But it's still really cool. Um, you know, I remember, like they played "Pavement" and "Helmet" on MTV. Um, because yeah. that was the other thing. Yeah. I, I watched a ton of MTV and VH1. And do you remember a channel called The Box?
0: I. Do not. And we did not have cable when I was a kid either.
1: Okay. There was a cable channel called The Box, and most of the time it was just this scrolling bad computer graphics that had song titles. And apparently you could call a one-nine hundred number and request a song and it would play huh. the video. So mostly you'd just see that scroll because um you know nobody wanted to spend the money on a nine hundred call. <laughs> but it it would play weird random videos. Um, and, and some stuff that I think MTV wouldn't play.
0: Uh, nice, nice. So,
1: um, like, Sir Mix-a-Lot had a song called, uh, his follow-up to Baby Got Back was called Put Him on the Glass. Um, <laughs> Yes, I've heard this. It's, you know, it's exactly as classy as it sounds. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, so, uh, you know, and I lived for the moment that, like, Maybe smells like teen spirit would come on um most of the time, like I was like a really terrible luck. I would like change the channel back to m t v right as you see the janitor uh, mopping <laughs> yeah. up at the end of the- it' like oh, I missed it, damn it, um but uh, <laughs> so yeah i was I was really into to the grunge and alternative, and then like when I was a fresh like when I was a a freshman in high school, I had a couple of friends in middle, from middle school band that were really into They Might Be Giants. And then so finally it was like, okay, I had some Christmas money. And so I went out and bought myself a cassette tape of Flood because that was the one that had the two songs I knew mm-hmm. um, from Tiny Tunes, And I just like, um, I was pretty much instantly in love with that. So, um, and it didn't take long for me to buy the rest of what was out. Mm-hmm. like the following summer. Um, so the other thing that influenced it was the internet, like the mid nineties internet. This was like the summer of 95, like right after the freshman year of high school, I was, vo- I was a volunteer at the Fort Worth zoo. Oh, they fun. had a, uh, yeah, you actually got to work with the animals, um, which working with the animals a lot of times, it meant sweeping up poop in <laughs> the, the petting farm they had, Mm-hmm. But you know. uh, (laughs) Um but there's another volunteer there who was really into They Might Be Giants. And like he gave me a printout of of like some They Might Be Giants websites. This was this was the internet of nineteen (laughs) ninety-five. Printouts of printouts of websites. Nice. Um, and so that's like when I first learned about TMBG.org. And so I would just spend tons of free time like reading they might be giants interpretations Mm -hmm. um like i remember i read an interpretation of the song the end of the tour that looking back on it it's basically fanfic like it it imagined this whole tragic narrative about uh, you know um a girl like somebody who felt guilty about you know Being in a car wreck that killed a teenage (laughs) girl—it's like I like it was like thinking back on him like like there's a lot of reaches here.
0: Team B G fans can be a creative bunch, and yeah, uh, we'll go long long distances to connect the dots.
1: (laughs) And it was weird because like I would read the lyrics of songs I would read the lyrics of songs that I never got a chance to hear, uh, at least in the nineties, because I like. I couldn't get my hands on most of the singles. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like Welcome to the Jungle. I didn't hear that one until, um, I didn't hear the actual song until like TMG Clock Radio came out. But they had a MIDI version of it. That was a small enough file that I could stream (laughs) it over dial up. (laughs) So without ever having heard the actual studio recording of the song, I knew what it sounded like.
0: Just the instrumental Um, MIDI version.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't Such know who made the... I don't know, maybe John Muleis can can tell us, but like, who made these MIDI versions that were on tmbg.org, but whoever it was, they were a real hero. Wow. Um, yeah, so I
0: mean, I, we probably could figure that out if we uh, um, dug in and a I don't, little bit. I don't
1: know if the website is archived anywhere, um, but uh, I did... Um, But so like, so the first album that I bought new was, uh, factory showroom. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I I think that was, I mean, I was almost a little bit disappointed with it at the time because it was so different than, than the earlier stuff I'd been listening to. Um, like, so flood has always been my absolute favorite. Okay. Yeah, every right. once in a right. while, I'm, I I I have to reevaluate. You know, you have to you know you calibrate. I guess. Right. It's like because like there are some things that I liked in high school that I I I don't exactly cringe at, but I'm like, that's not as good as I thought it was when I was 15. Oh, but no, sure. Of course. Flood is flood is exactly as, it flood is even better than I realized it was. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. um, I like John Henry better now than I did when I first heard it. Cause there was another one where it was like, I like this, but the songs are too long. <laughs> right. Uh,
0: <laughs> and then they really got long on factory showroom.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say a factory showroom has a, has a major flaw. It's that some of the songs like just drag too much, but that doesn't, but it, it makes up for it for It has like a few songs that are just absolutely golden. Um, you know, it's really hard to talk i i really like sexxy um, yeah,
3: okay okay
1: um and um till my head falls off um, well of course that's just, just like i think it's a great way to open the album I, I i feel like the the band has always been good with opening tracks
0: yeah i think it should have opened with till my head falls off but,
1: i yeah. i think i heard you say that on on the episode and i mm-hmm I mean I really cuz like I think SEXXY is just such an it's such an out of the blue weird way to open the album.
2: That's true. And um,
1: and you know I like the orca- I like the strings on it. Oh yeah. Um and uh and the spoken word intro. Uh, <laughs> uh
0: you know I still love the uh, the version and. uh Severe tire damage. Um, have this song you ever goes out the, to my one true love, the ladies. Yes,
1: that's, <laughs> that's that's one of the best live openings I've ever heard, too. Um, have you ever heard the Kindle Mint Cake remix?
0: No.
2: <laughs>
1: it's it's cobbled together. It's got like a hundred samples in it. Whoa! They used to play it on TMBG clock radio.
2: Huh.
1: But, um... You know, it... Um... I can't. I've seen a list of of all the different things that are sampled in it, but it's it's insane. <laughs>
0: uh, and, and so with with TBG, I, I think it's safe to assume that uh, unlike a lot of your '90s stuff, where you said you went back and forth on it, uh, I am assuming with B G you stayed true blue all the way up till this current day as a fan. Yeah,
1: more than anything else, I've like, you know, stayed with them consistently, and it's. I mean, honestly, it's a lot of it is because um, they I feel like they've been so consistent, like not not cons- when I say consistent. That sounds like a almost an insult um, when you're talking about what's basically an experimental rock group. I can't like I can't think of how to characterize them as a genre, but I think it's fair to say they're they're an ex- they're experimentalists. You know, they're yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think that fits. Uh, they're kind of protégés of the residents. It's like mm-hmm. the residents, but more listenable. <laughs> um, yeah. Because I, I honestly don't think the residents were ever trying to make enjoyable music. Right. <laughs> um, they were just trying <laughs> to see what they could do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, or, you know, they're like wean, but less demented. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like R.E.M. after um I, I kind of gave up on R.E.M. with the album Up. Um mm. what year was that? Uh Up was 90 I think I think 98 or
2: 99.
1: Mm-hmm. Um but I I'm pretty sure it was after I was out of high school. Um I graduated high school in 98.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um but and then, like, I don't, I never even bought any albums after Up. And I only recently went back and listened to their later stuff. And it's, it's all right. But it's, it, R, I mean, late period REM is really different. Mm. And, and, it, and so, like, you know, the band that I, I now call my second favorite band, the Mountain Goats, they're another band. Like, their newest stuff is so, like, if you played somebody goths, and you played somebody zopalote Machine, they, they would not think it's they, the they, same this, yeah. Band. Um yeah. and and it's one of those things I I tried my hardest to like goths. I oh it, you didn't
0: like goths? It's
1: I <sighs> there I I I like Rain and I like Andrew Eldritch, I like Rain and Soho. Um Wear Black, like when hearing the hearing mm-hmm. the whole band perform Wear Black live. Is is quite an experience. Mm. It, it, it is one of those things. I I appreciate what he's trying to do, but I just I can't get into it. I thought I thought was um, it the
0: lack of guitar.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's a part of it, and it just some of it just seemed too, a bit too self indulgent.
2: Mm. Okay. Um,
1: right. I think um, the most recent album, Bleed Out, I. I really love.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Um, and I love hearing yeah. the, uh, uh, I've heard it. his voice <laughs> uh, characterized as bleeding, like a <laughs> bleeding goat uh, appropriately enough. And I like hearing, you know, that, that kind of the yelling come back a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, he definitely yells at live performances. Oh yeah. You try to sing, you try to sing along with something like um, this year, at a live performance, but he leaves the original melody far behind, and he's just screaming it, um, <laughs> which is which is as it should be. Man, I haven't um, seen them he, in a while. Either. So he he closed with they closed with training montage, which okay. they hadn't been they basically hadn't been performing it on the tour. I've been looking at the set list, and so I was I was prepared to you know it's like Nelson watching, uh, um, Nelson and uh, who was he saw in a uh, Branson, Missouri, you know. I didn't think he was gonna do uh, Kentucky Rose, but bam! Uh, second encore. So he was like, uh, "I didn't think he was gonna do training montage."
0: <laughs> but bam! Was it uh, Andy Williams?
1: Andy Williams, yeah, that's Andy right. Andy
0: Williams.
1: <laughs> um, I, I I've never been to Branson, Missouri, but every time I I I use Nelson, every time someone mentions it, I say Nelson's description is, it's like a, or Bart's description and. Um, it's like Las Vegas if it were designed by Ned Flanders. Everybody's like, "Yeah, that's Branson."
0: That's Branson. So, we've been talking about all of these other bands. Oh yeah, yeah. We haven't even mentioned that this is not a they might be giants penned song. Oh yeah. So, um... Whirlpool is by a little band called the Meat Puppets, and I think before we even start talking about them, I should play the original. Tune. Here it is, Whirlpool by the Meat Puppets. So, are you a Meat Puppets fan?
1: Not, I, I hate to say it, but not a huge fan. I mean, I'm not like a non-fan. I just, mm-hmm. it's one of those bands I never exactly got into. And I realized, I think there's only really five songs that I know by them. And four of them are covers. Uh, the, the, R- four yeah? of them I know I know through covers.
0: Through covers. Okay, through I was going to say. Yeah. Through
1: covers. So, like Whirlpool and then the three songs on uh, Nirvana, unplugged in new york so mm-hmm. Omi plateau and lake of fire right. which yeah, i only recently realized that the members of the meat puppets were actually playing on those songs
0: mm-hmm. yeah um, kurt and chris kirkwood uh the brothers yeah. that lead the meat puppets but yeah i mean the meat puppets have been going forever they've a couple of hiatuses yeah. they formed in uh 1980 i believe mm. and uh they're from phoenix um but they they really figured it out on uh Meat Puppets 2 from 1984 and that's where yeah. all all three of those uh songs that uh Nirvana covers are all from yeah that album and, and, and yeah that album helped uh d- define a genre that became known as uh cowpunk which i love that term yeah. but they they fused all this like they started off as kind of like like a hardcore punk band and then started working in like country and psychedelic stuff and all that. And just turned into this, this mash of, of, of weirdness. They're, they're definitely a band that, um, mm, I could see a little hard to, to get into, but me puppets Two is definitely, I mean, that's, that's a masterpiece I mean, in my really. opinion, but I'm not a completist either. Yeah. Really?
1: I think one of the things is, like, in the early 90s, it was a lot harder to get into bands that weren't played on MTV and radio. You know, like, like, so there's, like, uh, do you know the Toadies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, I honestly don't know how big the Toadies were nationally. Um, The reason I know the Toadies is that they are from Fort Worth. Like, literally, mm -hmm. like, almost everybody I know has some sort of story about a personal connection. Like my wife taught at a preschool where um you know, several years ago she taught at a preschool where the lead sing the lead singer's daughter went. Oh, you know, oh. uh for a summer program. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, everybody in Fort Worth has some sort of everybody who grew up in Fort Worth in the nineties, they have some sort of connection to the Toadies and they have some sort of connection to Deep Blue Something. Uh the <laughs> band that wrote the band that wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's.
0: Yeah. Right, right. What was the Toadies big song
1: um, uh, possum kingdom, um, yeah, the, funny. uh, which is one of those songs, like if you didn't know it was named possum kingdom, you wouldn't have any idea.
0: Oh yeah. They um, don't say uh, that in the lyrics. Do they? <laughs> did
1: Um, yeah, well, it, yeah. cause so, um, possum kingdom is a lake, um, about, uh, an hour or so west of Fort worth mm, where okay. like, it's, it's a popular place to go camping. So the whole around the lake tonight. Um, and then their other song, Tyler. Um, Tyler is a city in East Texas, like mm-hmm. a, a few hours East of here. Um, and you i have, um, I've heard, I've heard them perform live and you're saying about Tyler was based on the story of like, a like, you know, reports about like a peeping Tom. And he was thinking about how, like, what a stupid thing to do in Texas. Cause you're just going to get yourself shot. And <laughs> uh, particularly in eat, you know, particularly <sighs> out in the country.
0: No, um, not, not not the smartest thing. That's the smartest
1: thing. Um, you know, you could get into the Toadies because they were all over the local radio because they were local. But, you know, a band like the Meat Puppets, so basically the only thing I knew about the Meat Puppets was um, Backwater. Because uh, uh-huh. yep. that was on, like, in the early 90s, that was on heavy rotation on MTV.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I only later found out that the backing vocals on Backwater... Are sung by They Might Be Giants. I'm I'm thinking of they did they they sung
0: backups on White Sport Coat.
1: Is it White? Okay, I could swear I had heard that they were on Backwater. I don't think so. Okay, well maybe not. Um, I don't think so.
0: But yeah, this uh, White Sport Coat, um, and that that was not a Me Puppet song. They were doing a cover of an old uh country song. Um and they were at the time uh managed by Jamie Kitman, who was long time the oh, okay. Giants manager, and got them hooked up together. Um and it, it it's it's a pretty cool little thing that the backups on that um like got a white, oh white sport coat, sport coat it's the okay. it's the Flans and and Linnell in the in doing the little echoes and it's uh it, it's kind of cute. I, I feel okay, like I should uh, drop yeah. a little bit of that in in here.
1: Okay, so I see it now. It's like it was one of the songs on the single. Okay, that's where I was confused. I think it's one of the times I'd, I'd like glanced at the Wikipedia article and gotten the wrong information. But okay, so yeah. Um, well, the other thing is like the album that Whirlpool is on um, is, is Forbidden out of print. Places, yeah. So mm-hmm. like, I would always go to the record store and like so. Um, let's. So I would always go to the record store to look for it. And you can never find it. And like when the internet came along, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be on Spotify. It's like, nope. Like, I finally managed to listen to it on YouTube a while back. Um, But I I like the sound of it. It's just, um, it's one of those. I've like never taken the time to do a deep dive on Meat Puppets, Mm -hmm. Um, and they're kind of like their their available discography is kind of spotty. See, well, knew, what do you I think kn-
0: about uh well what do you think about whirlpool
1: um i like it um it's it's funny like earlier today i was in the car you know i was dra- doing an errand and i had my son and i was like i'm gonna listen to these two songs just to you know because i'm recording this tonight and when the the second one came out he's like yeah i like the first one better <laughs> like but which, which was the he, first he, he like he liked the they might be giants version oh better. okay um
0: but man, the guitar playing on the original is just insane. Like we're we're used to this chill They Might Be Giants version, but there is just like yeah. like that that like the hammer on pull off stuff and the guitar part on there is just crazy. And then there's this high, just kind of sustained, uh just kind of screaming electric part, just kind of tucked in the background. Like it's really yeah. cool. Really cool vibe. And it's got just up-tempo the whole way through. And uh, Forbidden Places came out in... Let's see, in the the wiki it's saying 92. I thought it came out in 91. I think Forbidden Places came out in 91. But either way, it was a a very new song when Team BG was covering it. Uh, The Why is the Sunshine EP came out in 93. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a pretty fresh... Okay. Track for them to cover
1: the back of the. I, so I've got the, I've actually got the disc right here. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, the, So the back of it says the the nineteen ninety two release, Forbidden Places, um, but, um, yeah, I, it's it's a weird choice for a cover, um, and it, it's such a, it's so very different.
0: Um, it is. Does that uh, I, I, the I, I back do, of that has that quote uh, f- from them, doesn't it? Isn't there uh, a, a little bit about the song on there or about yeah, the meat the, puppets?
1: So, the liner notes on Why Does the Sun or a trip. Um, <laughs> the meat puppets have always been a favorite with the younger set, and as their legend continued, it was just a matter of time before They Might Be Giants fell under their magical musical spell. Whirlpool, from their 1992 release, Forbidden Places, is a heart-stopping example of the Meat Puppets' lyrical wealth. The bass and saxophone arrangement presented here complements the Meat Puppets' elfin vision. Uh, Elfin, I mean, elfin is not the adjective I would use for it, but it's... I love that. You know, I I could definitely see myself sitting down and just, like, vibing to it. Um, Yeah. So, I I, I don't know, like like a magical elf. Or like how in D and D elves don't sleep; they just go into a trance for four hours. Um and Maybe that's what they mean.
0: I did not know that about elves. Oh yeah, but but I do know that the guys in the meat puppets did a lot of drugs. So oh yeah, their, so, they're vibing.
1: I mean that that also might be like because in elementary school I took dare very seriously. Um. Oh, yeah. As. as <laughs> um, You know, as I got older, maybe a little bit less so, uh, but, uh, like certainly when I was in high school and middle, when I was like in middle school, I was like, well, you know, the meat puppets, I like this song, but like, it's too high to die. What kind of a name is that? That doesn't seem like a good influence. Um, but, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah,
0: they were honest about it at
1: least. Yeah. There you you go. Very, very upfront. Um, (laughs) You know when I came across the name Forbidden Places on on the liner notes. You know I, I used to look for it sometimes, but um, like I still vividly remember buying CDs, and you know, but I, I you know, I was on a limited allowance. Mm-hmm. I almost always bought them at Best Buy because that was where you could get them cheapest.
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Um, Best Buy or Circuit City. Um Circuit no, I, I City. actually, so I actually remember I bought I bought this EP, this very copy. At a uh, Best Buy in Fort Worth, um,
0: oh wow, I'm I don't they had that.
1: Yeah, I mean they they had a pretty decent selection. So there, um, it's one of two EPs that I found because I also found um at a at a Borders. Um, remember Borders? Oh um, yeah, sure. Uh, they kind of got killed by Barnes and Noble, um, but. Uh, at borders i got um the SCXXY EP, which uh, th- mm. that's a that's a highly mm. underrated um i think i think
0: yep i got that. yeah man. all
1: mm-hmm. of the Electra e p s are good the only ones that i actually have physical copies of mm. are why does the sun s e x x y and um istanbul
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i haven't managed to I haven't really gone out looking for them. I know they're they're. I I have uh I have the files, but um,
0: right, yeah. But the discs are long out of print, so you always know, gotta go to discogs or whatever. So wherever. at
1: one point, I asked, like on a social media post, I asked, like, are they ever going to release, um, what would have been super, uh, or was it super fueled freak sickle and mm-hmm. and i th- somebody actually responded somebody from the management or somebody actually responded well that's up to warner brothers um they, they're yeah. i can't remember exactly yeah. what they said but the the impression i got was that like it it's a rights issue that it's still tied up Yep. um yeah but we can we can dream
2: we can or may, dream. maybe we'll
1: we'll get a the johns version like they'll they'll do it do a taylor swift and and Re-record their entire Electra back catalog.
0: Wow, I can't I, even imagine I, what I that don't would end up they, like. They,
1: you know, they,
0: I don't know if I'd they,
1: they, <laughs> want. Them to do I mean, they probably they, they probably would. don't even remember the chords to Ondine, but you know, they can you know they can just look it up on the wiki, right? Right. You know, yeah. they, I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a tab for all of them.
0: So. Uh, the When I was going back and listening to the Meat Puppets Whirlpool a little bit more, I noticed that uh, the Johns decided to cut out what I think is one of the best verses yeah, in the song. I was noticing it. The Whirlpool's mother wore a jacket she'd sewn out of dental floss. It was stolen by a monkey that sold it to an albatross. And <laughs> That seems like that's right off yeah. like TMBG's alley. It seems like something so ridiculous that... It, you know, they'd be like, "Well, why didn't I think of that?"
1: And they go and cut it out. Yeah, yeah, Linnell could have written those lyrics. Um, Yeah, maybe they cut it out because it sounded like, "No, nobody will." You know, it's too much like us. (laughs) Um, but I hits a little
0: close to home.
1: I mean, I I like that the cover is so minimalist that it's really just the one verse. They also added the mm-hmm. the repetition of Whirlpool, you know, because I don't I don't think oh, they yeah. do that in the mm-hmm. Meat Puppets one.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Um, think you're right. But
0: yeah, yeah, they really chill it out, and I love the arrangement. Yeah. I mean, as a horn guy, when I mean, you got Linnell on the Barry, Kurt Hoffman's on tenor, uh, Graham maybe on bass, and that's it. So no no percussion at all.
1: So I listened to it a ton. I I have a memory of transcribing it when I was in high school because I would do weird things like that. Oh, yeah? I would like listen. To, I would try yeah. to transcribe things because I played Barry Sax um, all through middle nice. middle school through college. Um, unfortunately, I never purchased my own instrument because, like, by the time I finished, they're pricey. Yeah, I mean, I the nice I I played a a Selmer Mark Six when I was in college, and I, I don't know mm. like. Like, how well do you know saxophone models? Like, um,
0: a little bit. I mean, we have uh, Alto Vilar had a Barry Sax player yeah. for a few years until he moved away. But I know that one. That's one of the expensive ones. Yeah, right? it's,
1: it's like it's a yeah. <laughs> you know the 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 newer Selmers aren't as nice. Um, like, you know, by the time I was buying my own alto sax, the Yamaha was a better option than the Selmer. But like mm. the classic Selmers, they're, they're nice, but they're also temperamental. It's mm. like, I'm going to be in tune for like 15 <laughs> minutes, but as soon as I heat up, I'm going to be completely, right. you know, yeah. it all you know,
0: depends on the temperature. You know,
1: maybe I'll play, you know, maybe I'll play these high notes. Well, maybe you'll squeak. Who knows? It's a mystery. Um, So, you know, you you have to kind of negotiate with them. But, uh, uh, yeah, I also learned how to play bass clarinet in college. And that's, I really wish I I could have uh, kept the bass clarinet. Because, like, I learned it pretty late. But I took to it pretty, I took to bass clarinet a lot easier than I did to soprano clarinet. Like, going from a barry sax embouchure to Mm -hmm. um, a clarinet embouchure is Mm. just, yeah it it's bad it's it's i mean you, you do with middle school uh, but do, do you do band or just a choir
0: um i did band at my old school yeah. I'm, I'm just doing choir at this school right
1: um but no, i that was one of the reasons i fell in love so hard with they might be giants because like when i when i was playing barry sax I mean, honestly i think they moved me to barry sax because i was like good but not great at alto And Barry's a bit more forgiving. Barry's a bit more forgiving.
2: Uh
1: But so it it was frustrating because like Barry Sachs gets forgotten, particularly like in middle school and high school band. But then when I started getting into jazz band, there's a lot more interesting Barry Sachs parts. And then when I started listening, the more I listened Mm -hmm. to music, the more I realized like, uh, so the thing about Barry Sachs is just, is the texture. It it has it. Oh yeah. um, So like, you know, you think about like, um, so the opening riff of uh, Amy Winehouse's, uh, uh, or not the opening riff, but the, the, the lick from uh, You Know That I'm No Good by Amy Winehouse. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, without the Barry Sachs, it, in my opinion, that song does not exist. Um, or yeah. you think about... I
0: mean, um, yeah, that album is just, like, just full of amazing.
1: Or uh, a, a completely different universe, but the Barry Sacks on National Anthem by Radiohead. Um, yeah. So um, <laughs> maybe an unpopular choice, but my fa- national anthem is—it's it, definitely my favorite song on Kid A. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and that, that's, fair, it, it, that's fair. It's a part. It's a strictly partisan choice. It's because of the saxophone. But mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, and you know, Mister Stan Harrison is on that track. Yeah. Yes, um, I don't think he's the Barry. But that's that's a link between Radiohead and TMBG.
1: So you know, so knowing that, like Linnell played Barry Sacks. Like I remember when, um, uh, you know, I I found a videotape. Uh, there, there's a Them Might Be Giants music video collection. Um, that had like the that I, they actually had it at Blockbuster. I can't remember what it was called but
0: you're not talking about direct from
2: brooklyn
1: it was the one with the the videos from the pink album and lincoln so like it had the video for she was a hotel detective with the cartoons there's like you see Mm -hmm. john linnell playing the barry sax i was like dude yeah a cool person like i was a cool person (laughs) is playing the barry sax maybe i can be cool too um i i gave up on being cool um uh, eventually but no oh, yeah well i mean it, Who needs you know, that? So it's weird because like being a teacher i am kind of the cool teacher but i'm the cool teacher because i'm a huge nerd and
0: <laughs> and your class yeah. is full of nerds. Well, so
1: like one of the things i do is i sponsor the D club um at my school <laughs> nice and it's well, what's cool is it's like a safe space for like I I, may, I was joking with um, the guy who sponsors uh, the Gay Straight Alliance at our school, and I'm like, you know, it. You really shouldn't schedule your club on the same day as mine, because, you know, it it really creates a conflict for a lot of my students. Because, and it's like, yeah. the D and D club. I I have a feeling a lot of my students. It's one of the few places where they can really drop their mask. Um, yeah. it's ironically they're dropping their mask so that they can. Play a fantasy game where they pretend to be, you know, right. a lizard folk yeah. barbarian or whatever. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, the the saxophones on it. So, like, it sounds like it has two barry saxes and two tenors. I think.
0: Yeah, some double track. Um, I think so. You know. It sounds thick. Yeah.
1: Uh, the the lowest one is like the, the bu- 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 bum, that one's obviously Barry. But the one that's doing a lot the first melodic line that comes in, the, that's a Barry sax, and it's playing in that upper register. So you get a little bit of the growl. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah. but a very yeah. sweet sound. And then the two upper voices, like one of them sounds almost like a trumpet, but I'm I'm like ninety percent sure it's it's a tenor sax.
0: Yeah, I think we're talking all all sax. Um, but um, and then that yeah, I love that that melody at the beginning. It's like you could you could hear there's maybe a little bit of flavor from the noodly guitar part on the original, but it's it's almost like its own. Yeah, it's thing. like
1: it's like he's isolated. Just a little bit of the the hammer on stuff that you we were talking about.
0: Yeah, um, like that and and
1: and looped it. Um, Like I, I don't know, like if there's any looping in uh, the saxophone parts or not. Um, but like obviously they they've they've multi tracked it. Oh, and then like I also love the tone on the bass because that that's a so that's a it's Graham maybe. Um I don't uh-huh. remember so I, I can never remember like like before they settled on the band they have now, I know they were just like a bunch of different like I can't remember what else Graham maybe played on um
0: um, I mean he's on a bunch of factory shows okay,
1: yeah, that's what I was thinking,
0: um, yeah, uh, and
1: uh but he's not on John Henry, right cuz John isn't John Henry all Tony Mamone? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is it's kind of interesting like they and and I I've, I've never quite understood where this EP is supposed to fit in with the discography cuz it's like it sounds it sounds it's like a transition between the flood era it, it, it's like a transition between Apollo 18 and John Henry because it, mm-hmm. it's definitely, it, it has the full band sound, but the production sounds a lot more like Flood to me. I'd, I don't, the, so I'd, I, I, the I, vocals I, I,
0: on Whirlpool are, are weird. The vocals, it sound like they're shouting it from the other side of a concrete. Yeah, there's room. a
1: bit of a Kermit characteristic to it. And I, I,
0: yeah. And like, uh, I, it didn't, I'm like, what? John is that at the beginning and finally figured out it was Flans and then later Linnell comes in, but like, Flans is singing in the weirdest voice. And
1: I, I will admit that I know next to nothing about music production. Um you know, I, I know what I like. Um mm-hmm. and like I my my best friend in all the world, like we we're best friends because we're opposite in a lot of like taste, and like we had an argument once where he said, "I can't understand what someone means when they say something is overproduced."
2: Mm, <laughs> and, like mm-hmm.
1: that's just that's such a blasphemous statement. I don't even know how to respond to it. But
0: uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I completely forgot. Speaking of not overproduced, I didn't play the dial oh, song. Oh yeah,
1: sorry. I, I listened to version
0: that and- of this, and yeah, I'll drop it in here. <laughs> To me, it almost sounds like it's the final version, just r- recorded very poorly through the phone. Yeah, um, that's
1: what, what? do you? Think? Well, that's yeah. That's how I feel about a lot of the dialect song stuff. It's like I can't really tell if this is lo fi or if it's just you know badly recorded. And and, and you know the badly recorded is because like most of the dialect song stuff we know through bootlegs. And so like it was really like the first time you know I didn't have. High-speed internet. I didn't, you know, I didn't trade bootleg cassettes or, you know, go through the BBS or anything in the '90s. So I didn't hear any of the Dial-A-Song songs basically until then. The earlier years came out.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think, I think one time I was at a friend's house and he managed to download "We Just Go Nuts at Christmas Time." Yeah, um, off of the internet, <laughs> which. Um, that, that's a true holiday classic, uh, oh, um, yeah! I've always said that being left off of holiday land, that's the real war on Christmas.
0: Move over Starbucks.
1: Yeah. So, um, but, um, yeah, the, it's, it does sound like basically what's on the album.
0: Right. But like, not even, I mean, it's so garbled, it's kind of hard to tell, but really like even like I was listening like for little details and stuff that that it it really just seems it's like it's that final version, and they had put it on the answering machine tape that day, and then it was recorded by someone on the other end. I I I don't know. I could be wrong. I mean, the wiki does have them listed as two things. Yeah. Um, and the dialing song is one second longer. Oh, no, there I you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's the same thing i think it's the same
1: yeah yeah um and really i can't think of any way that you could do it differently without you know upsetting the balance i guess Mm. um you know like so i you know i i could i could see doing like just an accordion version sure um that would make sense um, or, or maybe something with keyboards, but like y- you couldn't add percussion to it. I, I, I honestly don't think, you know. N- no matter how Marty, ba- how good Marty Balor is, I don't think Marty Balor could do anything with this song. Just,
0: I mean, just the direction that they took in it in—it yeah. really wouldn't make sense.
1: Um, but
0: yeah, yeah. Um, but we do get a slightly different arrangement at the live recording that we have so this this song was only played live twice and there's one recording that i could find of the um so december 31st 1995 at tramps in new york city of course um i'll drop that in right here
4: Meat puppet song up there for a bit.
0: So here we get some trombone and trumpet.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Right. Yeah. And they take it even slower. Yeah. Um, I don't like glacially slow. I, I don't know if I love the, the super slow tempo that can, you know, um, but it, it's still like the, the different horn arrangement. It, it it works. Um, like you, you hear the trombone and, and I'm pretty sure that's a trumpet on the upper yeah, I voice. Think
0: there's some trumpet in there. Yeah.
1: Um, So now I'm I'm wondering, like, if they could do that. Like, I would love to hear them do that, like, with uh, the other thing or um, Tricera Tricera Chops.
0: Tricera Chops.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never never heard a horn show.
0: Um, Me neither. I would have tonight if I could have gone to the show. Then bringing the horns to the Midwest is very rare. And I...
1: Yeah. Missed it. Yeah, um... I missed it when they were touring with uh, uh, the, which trumpet was it they toured with most recently? With Kurt. With, I missed it when they toured with Kurt. Kurt Ram. Yeah. I
0: did see Kurt Ram, but yeah, I the, haven't seen a full
1: I, show Yeah, The last time, I, I think the last time I saw them live was actually um, the Join Us tour. Um, oh. Yeah, it's been a long, so like, it's been a minute. I, missed, yeah. I missed a few Dallas shows mostly because of like financial reasons. And then of course like, when they announced the flood reunion tour, I'm like I'm snapping those tickets up right away, and then it's been postponed. Like the crazy thing. Is, so, like, I've been watching the tickets. I saw the last show that hadn't been sold out was Austin for a while. I think like mm-hmm. um, Houston's also not sold out, but I don't want to go to Houston. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> so Austin is like it's like three and a half hours away. And it's like, I've never done the thing where you drive, you know, where you drive to Austin just to see a really awesome show. And I'm like, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm not quite too old to do it. So I like, I got in touch with a friend that lived in Austin and they were like, yeah. you know, yeah, you can, you can crash on, on our couch. Um, And then they postponed the show and the friend is moving out of state. So Oh. Between now and next May I just need to find another couch Um, but it'll it'll be fine. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to see him in Dallas on a Friday and then Austin in a Monday and I'm going to not go, I'm going to like take a day on that Monday because it's right at the end of the school year and all of my classes will actually be done so it's like, you know. Nice. Nice. Um, But yeah, that's uh, (laughs) I've been looking forward to to that for a while but yeah the, so that the um yeah, it's a really interesting way of doing it live and i I could see them doing that again sometime but um
0: yeah i i don't i don't see it happening but that would man talk about a deep cut if they dug that back yeah. out um yeah and you also mentioned that you could picture an accordion version yeah because i well that that the, we come to our only cover yeah yeah mr noah daniel did a version of whirlpool i think originally not knowing that it was not a they might be giants original so he most definitely is covering it from the they might Mm -hmm. be giants angle and he did it for our purple toupee compilation uh so let's hear noah's version
4: Master Louise at the lands beyond, and it's Master.
1: So what did you think of that? I liked it, yeah. Um it's it's you know, kind of by the numbers, but I like the accordion on it that, mm-hmm. that makes for a good sound. Um so, you know. Uh
0: yeah, I like it. I think we got multiple accordions on there yeah. and he harmonizes himself a little bit, and I just love the tone of his voice. I think just he made it even more chill. Yeah. Than the name of Giants version, you know, it's a little smoother and so without that honking, honking yeah. saxophone. Um, but yeah, super cool version and Noah is awesome, um, for contributing it to that compilation. But, um, that, I mean, I'm sure I could have found covers of, you know, the Meat Puppets version. Yeah. But, uh, it's, I mean, this is kind of a unique thing. Yeah. It's a cover of a cover.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because, like, um, what is it like? All but one of the songs on the EP are covers. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. like the only original is "Spy," and and they're also I think all of the the songs on the the EP are kind of out of character for the band a bit. Other other than "Spy," you know, like Jessica is such a like. Have you done an episode on Jessica? Uh, not yet. No. Okay, but that's a that one's a trip. Um, but yeah,
0: Allman Brothers. No. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but
0: yeah, and then I think a lot of people forget that, that you know, kind of like with Istanbul, that "Why Does the Sunshine Is Not" by them. No.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was. Um, I didn't realize that. Um. Uh, what is a shooting star? Wasn't by them. And it's actually from the mm. same album as White as the Sunshine. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, they that. so um a couple years ago they released a a Spotify playlist. There was one of John John Flansburg's Low Stakes playlists where it was like it was a playlist of songs that they had covered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of them was um, and apparently they're both from Space Songs. And I guess all of the songs on Space Songs are titled as questions. So why does the sun shine and what is a shooting star? Um, I don't know what the rest of it is, but um, hmm. they did not have to go back and retcon what is a shooting star. Cause our, you know, we, we have not changed our scientific understanding of what shooting stars are. Well, although, um, <laughs> although, you know, the, the XKCD guy, he'll point out that it's not actually, it's not technically friction that causes them to light up. It's air compression, yeah.
2: but air compression. I don't okay. know enough
1: about science to know, what that really and it's one of those things where it's like just say friction right (laughs) yeah
0: just say friction man come on yeah poindexter yeah (laughs) um um so anything else to say about uh the tmpg whirlpool before we score the song
1: um i mean well just that. You know, it's one of those songs I'll like when it comes on, like a lot of times if I'm just listening through, I'll hit back as soon as it's done because I want to listen to it again. But yeah, um, totally. You know, it it, like I think like if you're a less, you know, if if you're a less completionist kind of fan, you haven't heard this one yet. This is one that you absolutely have to, to look up. Yeah.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So, in scoring this song, you are required to go first. Now, this is, is tricky, mm-hmm. a cover. So, I don't know. What What do you think?
1: Um, I have actually given this a lot of thought, and so I'd, I so I'd, if I can say a few words about sort of philosophy of scoring. So, there's of like I, I'm a big believer in in holistic scoring. You know, I know you. Yours is more like sort of comparative, but like if you look at each, mm-hmm. you know individual object as a thing in and of itself and like how good a job does it do at being what it's supposed to be so like you know you think about like how good a job does it do at being a cover well i i firmly believe a cover it has to be either you know you're doing what the original artist did but better or you're doing something that the original Mm. artist wouldn't or couldn't have done so for example you Mm. know Mm -hmm. Um Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. Um, you know, he, he just makes it into a complete and, and this is that kind of cover. So as a cover, mm-hmm. um, I don't think it could be better. Um, and then just as a They Might Be Giants song, it's got evocative lyrics. Um, it's got mm-hmm. one of the best horn arrangements, I think, of any of their songs. Um, I've gone back and forth trying to find something that i think is a flaw um you could say the vo- <laughs> you could say that the vocals like i said it sounds like the vocals are kind of the vocals are recorded weirdly but i think that actually yeah. i think that that fits with the song and so this is just all of my long way of justifying the fact that i was always going to give this a 10 um because it's it's, it's this is actually one of my favorite they might be giant songs um i think it's it's wow. an it's an absolute treasure and i know you know I'm. I'm. I know that great inflation is a major problem in the world, but the the and and there are lots of they might be giant songs, even some very popular ones that I would not give tens to. Um,
2: but mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. you know, I think this is top tier. Uh, they might be giants' work.
0: It yeah. I mean it, it. It's great. I mean I'm not going. Yeah. Ten here, but I do. Uh, yep. Yeah, I. <laughs> I'm still not crazy about the the production on the vocals mm-hmm. and, uh, but I mean, filling a song up with horns. I mean, you always got my number mm-hmm. when you're doing that. Um, and it's just so drastically different from the original that, I mean, that's what makes the, the whole, you know, point of doing a cover is to make it your own. And mm-hmm. they really succeeded in, in that venture. um, so I think I'm gonna go with a 7.1 on this guy here.
1: I mean that that yeah. that is a solid but fair rating. I think you know, just like you know, I I can definitely understand where that comes from. I'm I'm still with my 10 because for me personally, it's oh, like, yeah. it, it could not be better. But uh,
0: oh, yeah, stand by your score. Yeah
1: is there anything you have to plug good sir um you know if you if you want to see like just random pictures and occasional uh, zentangle art and tie-dye experiments um i'm on instagram <laughs> at a procrast uh my instagram is procrastination artist um,
0: procrastination artist yeah okay
1: um i don't you know i only ever sell things at craft fairs But, uh, you know, if uh, uh, you you should support my favorite charity, which is to uh, find a teacher that's in need and buy something off their Amazon wish list. So uh, tell all your listeners, you know, support your local teachers, buy them something off their Amazon wish list or, you know, find out what their favorite nail salon or coffee bar or whatever is and get them a gift certificate to there um yeah, Buy me that banjo that I want, or, or that, yeah. <laughs> um, buy Greg a banjo. It's on
0: my wish list.
1: That ban- yes. Banjo is also on my wish list. We we collect musical instruments. Um, we don't have we have a mandolin but not a banjo. Um, so yeah.
0: Same. Yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. Are you um Are you on Twitter?
1: I am not. I I mean I think okay. I might there might technically be a Twitter with my name on it, but I have not logged on to Twitter in ages. Um, oh, I was mainly wondering yeah, to, no.
0: to tag you in it. But, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm if you're
1: if you're in enough shit posting groups, you'll probably see uh, uh, memes that I've created. Um, I, I've noticed that like the the lowest effort, most bottom tier jokes that I make tend to get the best reactions.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, um, shit posting. Yeah, the shittier it is, the better.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, Thomas, thank you so much uh, for, for being on.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun,
0: and thank you for the re, the reschedule as well. Oh I mean, yeah, no been,
1: problem. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it's a busy time, and I, I hope you do get to go see a uh, see a concert soon. Uh, I hope so too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, man.
1: Keep keep the faith. Word.